The American Health Law Association is pleased to present this special series highlighting the top 10 issues of 2021, where we bring together thought leaders from across the health law field to discuss the major trends and developments of the year. Support for AHLA in this series is provided by PYA, which helps clients find value in the complex challenges related to mergers and acquisitions, clinical integrations, regulatory compliance, business valuations, and fair market value assessments, and tax and insurance. For more information, visit PYAPC.com. Welcome, everyone, to AHLA's podcast series on the top 10 issues in health law 2021. For the past decade, AHLA has published this annual predictions article. And this year, we're taking it a step further, uh, bringing it to you live. Uh, I'm joined today by Eric Zimmerman with McDermott, Will, and Emery who penned the insightful piece on the new president signals new focus for federal health policy. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Marty. Thank you so much. Um, So in the article, which I presume you wrote at the end of December, since it had a January 1st publication date, um, a few things have happened. (laughs) And probably one of the most impactful happened long before the inauguration, which was the January 5th Uh, Georgia election, which gave us a Senate majority and made Chuck Schumer the majority leader. How much did that development um, impact what you now see going forward for the Biden administration? Uh, Well, you're absolutely right. And that's always the danger of uh, trying to look into the crystal ball a little bit, Marty. You have to be prepared to eat some glass. And um, (laughs) things move quite quickly under um, normal circumstances. I think they're moving really at light speed right now in Washington. So for sure, um, I I hope that what I wrote uh, back in December provides a largely true roadmap for how things are gonna unfold. But of course, we've had a lot of real world developments in the meantime, and and you pointed to um, the results of the January 5th election, which uh, was certainly out there as, a prospect when I wrote the article, but um, could not have predicted that particular outcome. And it is hugely impactful, hugely. And we're seeing it play out uh, right now in how uh, Democrats and the pres- Democrats in Congress and the president are moving forward with uh, COVID relief legislation, the American Rescue Plan. But for sure, um, the having a Democratic majority in both the House and Senate does enable Democrats to set the agenda uh, and pace what kind of legislation comes to the floor, but it by no means, particularly with the margins that um, they are left to work with, by no means assures outcomes. And uh, we saw some of those uh, challenges play out this past weekend with the American Rescue Plan, which we can talk more about. Um, But look, uh, Democrats have a very thin majority in the House. They actually lost seats in the House and so don't have a a lot of uh, room for error in the House. And of course, they have um, a 50-50 split in the Senate with the ability to break ties uh, with the vice president. But of course, they must hold the entire caucus together. Again, we saw the challenges of that uh, play out very recently. And so that is going to... uh, really limit the breadth of uh, the agenda for the president in 2021. Well, let's say that this administration's 
top three priorities are COVID, COVID, and COVID. Um, what do you see as the strategy going forward for the administration on that challenge? Well, for sure, those are the top three priorities. I think you captured it perfectly. Um, and I'd say the strategy going forward is, of course, to um, first and foremost, get on top of the pandemic. And that is um, uh, first bringing a more centralized federal role to COVID response. Um, you see that um, in the president's personal engagement on all things COVID, you see it with the coronavirus task force that he has impaneled. Um, you see that with um, very prominent roles for Dr. Fauci right now, uh, even more so than in 2020. So much of the uh, response is, is being centralized and being federalized, um, but also, um, and, and so I think the number one uh, component of the strategy is really to get on top of the pandemic in this legislation. Um, they are working very hard to uh, simultaneously jumpstart the economy. And um, I think if they can do both of those things, we hopefully we'll see a, a different world in short order. So with President Biden, who famously said as vice president that the Affordable Care Act was a big blanking deal, um, certainly there'll be attention paid to expanding coverage beyond even what was achieved with the ACA. Um, for example, I mean, the American uh, Rescue Plan includes a provision that tries once again to entice states to expand Medicaid. What else do you see um, as potential strategies to be employed by the administration around expanded coverage? Yeah, so expanded coverage is, is absolutely going to be one of the major um, focal points for this administration. And I think uh, a lot of supporters of the Affordable Care Act and, and supporters of that objective were really impressed to see some very early steps taken with respect to executive action, a couple of executive orders by uh, the president very early on. But then also, as you point out, some provisions right here in the American Rescue Plan that um, attempt to make uh, purchasing coverage more affordable for individuals with um, uh, premium tax credits, uh, more uh, richer premium tax credits, as well as um, more federal support for uh, um, purchase of uh, premiums when you're in purchase of, of insurance coverage when an individual is in a COBRA period. Um, but those are really just the beginning of trying to get more people covered through existing mechanisms and with additional federal support to do so. I think um, there are two other major components that we should be keeping an eye on. One is uh, undoing some of the uh, insurance options that the previous administration made available for individuals, including the short-term limited duration insurance plans and association health plans, which were um, non-compliant alternatives. I think we should expect this administration to be putting forward some kind of rulemaking, undoing those um, options. Likewise, we've already seen steps and we will see more undoing some of the flexibilities that the prior administration 
made available to states through 1332 waivers and 1115 waivers under the Medicaid program. Um, this administration is going to um, uh, try to encourage more um, Medicaid expansion, but not uh, by imposing things like work requirements or other limitations. Um, but then the next big thing is gonna be what big expansion option can uh, Democrats advance to make um, new opportunities available to many more people. And if you can think back to um, really about a year ago when the, um, there was a much larger field of Democrats vying for the nomination, the Democratic Party itself was going through a big reckoning on what it wanted its platform to be on healthcare coverage. And uh, there was a battle between uh, progressives like Bernie Sanders, who were in favor of a Medicare for all type of approach, and um, Vice President at the time, Biden, who was favoring a public option. Of course, he won, and that concept won out. And so um, I expect to see um, him put forward some kind of public option type of approach as an alternative in, in the exchange marketplace or some other um, approaches that maybe make Medicare more available to more people, either through a lower um, um, age requirement or a, uh, a buy-in type of uh, option, but making more federal options available to more people to expand coverage further. Um, so given the first three priorities and, and access being the fourth, um, any idea on timing when we start these debates over what a, what a public option may look like or have we sort of you know, bandaged over the issue with these expansions that were included in the, the expansions of, of exchange plans and incentives for Medicaid expansion in the American Rescue Plan? Well, I would, it's, it's a good question. And predicting timing is always difficult, but I think the administration's first priority again is going to be to get on top of um, the pandemic. And um, if they can expand coverage in the meantime um, through some of the provisions, some of the you know additional federal support, or you know one thing um, I neglected to mention is right out of the gate they created a special enrollment period of six weeks, making that um, giving people another opportunity to enroll in. Um, federal exchanges. Um, I think you're going to see the administration moving down a track all year long on steps that are within their purview to pursue administratively, things that they can do either through um, uh, new regulations or program guidance or just um, federal government involvement, like more, more money for navigators, more um, high level uh, marketing around uh, enrolling in, in uh, Affordable Care Act programs like you used to see President Obama do. I think those will be going on all year long. As far as a big legislative push, that's gonna have to be, I believe, later in the year. And I say that because I think, um, again, getting on top of the pandemic and stimulating the economy are going to be uh, really key 
uh, first steps before Democrats feel that they can turn their attention to other aspects of uh, their healthcare agenda. I think um, after this American Rescue Plan is enacted, which should be very soon, we're gonna see another very big stimulus-oriented legislative push that I believe is gonna be broadly characterized as a focus on infrastructure, but we'll also have um, uh, some of the president's environment agenda wrapped into it, as well as some healthcare. Uh, there's plenty of um, opportunity for infrastructure investment in healthcare. So you'll see some healthcare in that bill too. Um, but I think um, then we're talking about um, something toward the back end of this year, if not early 2022, for a big uh, Democratic push to expand coverage. So one thing the Biden administration will do, need to do this year is develop some regulations around the surprise billing provisions that were included in the Consolidated Appropriations, Back, uh, Appropriations Act. Um, obviously, a lot of uh, interest in that topic um, among healthcare providers. Um, can you provide us any insight uh, in when we may see those regulations um, and any specific provisions we should be on the lookout for? Yes, for sure. And I will say that's a topic that I'm uh, keenly interested in on behalf of a lot of clients. And so I've been doing uh, quite a lot of thinking about um, the next steps in surprise billing regulations. And I'll start by saying that the No Surprises Act, which uh, was included in um, the uh, another big uh, coronavirus um, funding and stimulus bill that was enacted in December, um, set out very specific, well, let me say it differently, a very specific timetable for um, regulations with the first regulatory or the first requirement for um, HHS to promulgate regulations being July 1st then some subsequent regulations to follow um, October 1st and some others later in the year, um, as well as some in, in 2022. I think in the best of circumstances, that would be a very aggressive timetable for something as complicated as this. That bill requiring these regulations was enacted on December 27th. The first you know, regulatory strike, as I said, is, is July 1st. So six months to um, propose a rule on something as um, conceptually challenging as well politically thorny as surprise billing, I think, as I said, in best of circumstances is um, a very large task. I think we have ever, anything but best of circumstances. There are many reasons why um, it's gonna be difficult, not the least of which is just about everybody involved in health policy, as I said, is focused on getting on top of the pandemic and doing all of the things that are necessary for that. But um, we're also in the midst of an um, administrative transition and the new administration is still building itself out. It's still populating all of the senior roles uh, that are going to be responsible for this. As we sit here today, Marty, we don't have a secretary of HHS confirmed and we also don't have a CMS administrator. And uh, those senior level posts are going to be, I believe, necessary to making the very difficult political judgment calls that 
are going to go along with rulemaking like this. So I, I just think it's going to be very difficult. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get toward uh, May or June and we start to see signals that um, HHS is going to be looking for a little bit of grace on those regulatory deadlines. So one more topic, um, you know, President Biden was very involved in the Obama administration's creation of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation and its focus on value-based payment models. And then during the Trump administration, I think it's fair to say we transitioned really from the focus on value-based to risk-based models. Um, there's this promotion of um, models where a group of providers would assume downside risk to the exclusion of other incentives uh, to promote value-based care. Um, you know, Kim Fowler, Liz Fowler, excuse me, has been um, tapped to be the head of CMMI coming out of the Commonwealth Fund. Do you think we're, we'll see a return to the days of old or um, is there some other direction that you see the administration going on the transition away from straight fee for service? So let me start, Marty, by saying, I love the way you put it. <laughs> calling it um, a shift toward risk-based uh, models, because I, I think that really does capture thematically where the last administration was trying to go, very much trying to shift risk onto the provider community. And you see that with so many of the models that they tried to put out um, over the last four years. I think um, for sure this administration is going to continue to use the tools available through the Innovation Center to, to drive the change that they want to see. I would expect that uh, what we should see coming out of the Innovation Center and CMS will resemble more um, of what we saw during the Obama years. Um, many of the same people who um, were populating CMS and the Innovation Center in, in that time are back in senior roles. Liz Fowler, who uh, did not previously uh, work in this function, has been around these models in this world for a very long time. These are all very familiar models to her. Um, you see her and this administration already putting a mark uh, on some level by uh, delaying the kidney care model and uh, postponing the uh, geographic direct contracting model and, and revisiting what they want the direction of the agency to be. Um, but I would still call it largely um, tinkering around the edges. I, I still think we're, we're going to be marching down this road of uh, transition from fee-for-service to value-based. That is not going to change here. Um, what may change is um, a different expectation set among uh, participants, whereas you saw in the Trump administration um, more of a mandatory approach, more of this is the model and you are going to participate, um, whereas I think um, many stakeholders are hoping and expecting a more voluntary approach, more like we had in the Obama administration when it comes to models. If you're ready to participate, come on in. We've got a model for you. Excellent. Well, Thank you, Eric. I've learned a lot in the last 20 minutes or so. Um, can't wait to read the 2022 uh, predictions of where healthcare policy is going to go. Thanks so much. Marty, it was great talking to you. Thank you for the time.